Charitable giving, it can play an important role in many estate plans. And we discussed estate planning in a previous episode two weeks ago, right, Amber? Yep. Now, philanthropy, it can not only give you great personal satisfaction, but it can also give you a current income tax deduction, let you avoid capital gains tax, and it can help you reduce the amount of taxes your estate may owe when you die. Welcome to Dad's Sense, a podcast for folks looking to grow their financial future. This podcast is hosted by Jason Fuchs, a dad, a husband, and managing director of Sage Path Financial Advisors. Jason's goal is to help you grow your financial future the right way. Now your host, Jason Fuchs. Greetings, everyone. If you're new here, I'm Jason Fuchs, married to the awesome woman known as Amber, father to a two-year-old girl, Jewel, who (laughs) is just a ham. I also happen to be the managing director of SagePath Financial Advisors. And at SagePath, we're here to help you grow your financial future the right way. I'm pumped to be here today. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. You could be doing anything, listening to anything right now. You chose to be here with me. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Amber, hello. Hello. How's it going? Going great. Amber, what comes to mind when you hear the words charitable giving? Hmm. Well, I think immediately what comes to mind are the some of the places that I give back to personally and we give to as a family as well. Well said. You know, charitable giving, it can play an important role in many estate plans. And the philanthropy, it can not only give you great personal satisfaction, it can give you a current income tax deduction, it can let you avoid capital gains tax, and it can reduce the amount of taxes your estate may owe when you die. And there are many ways to give to charity. So in today's episode, Amber, I'm going to describe the various methods of giving to charity. And that's our financial topic of today's episode, charitable giving. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not interested in that, don't leave. I have a really neat recipe for monkey bread. And you've tried this, Amber, right? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to hear from you. What are you thinking about today? What's on your mind? What are you most excited about? How are you feeling? The email address is jfuchs at sagepathfa.com. My phone number is 904-366-9388. You can find all of that in the description of the podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say thank you. I've been receiving lots of pictures and warm wishes of a, a wonderful holiday season. So thank you so much for the emails. Thank you so much for the pictures. I've really enjoyed seeing the time that you all are spending with your families. Very exciting. And Amber, I, I want to know what you're most excited about these days. Well, I think... Um, these days, you know, now that we're a little bit later into January, rolling into 2021, we're kind of excited about what we have on the horizon, you know, some of our big goals and objectives for the year. And also, you know, talking about charitable giving, I get excited thinking about what impacts we're going to be having through those things throughout this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we do a really neat exercise every year uh, called, what is it called? Seven Seven things we're striving striving for. for. Yeah. So seven things we're striving for in 2021. Instead of resolutions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and resolutions work for most people. So if you're doing that, keep doing it. Ladies and gentlemen, you're doing a great (laughs) job. We want all of you to meet or exceed your new year's resolutions. But about four or five years ago at Celebration Church up in the DC area where we used to live, 
they presented the idea of seven things to strive for. Mm -hmm. And we completed the ex exercise back then, and we've been doing it every year, year since. And right. we really love it, right? Absolutely. I, I love looking back over the past goals and objectives that we've set for ourselves and seeing what has changed and how those goals have either evolved or carried forward or been succeeded, mm -hmm. you know, all of those things. Yeah, I think it's neat to look back and feel happy, feel a sense of pride about the goals we laid out and the goals we accomplished. Mm -hmm. And despite a very, very weird 2020, <laughs> we still accomplished the majority of all the goals that we laid out. Right. And what's neat is you use the word evolve, and I like that because mm -hmm. sometimes certain goals roll over to the next year. Like, right. for example, my drum practicing has been rolling over for about three or four years now. Right. But that's about to change. I, right. I, I traded that drum set in for something quieter, right? Quote, unquote. <laughs> I don't know if it's quieter. <laughs> An electric guitar. It takes up less space, but I don't know if it's quieter. <laughs> I was having a hard time practicing the drums, ladies and gentlemen. You probably know that drums are loud. Mm -hmm. And when you have a two-year-old or a wife who also works from home, <laughs> it's hard to practice. Right. So I decided to go another route. And I used to play guitar back in high school. It is not like riding a bike. <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember the things I learned back then. But anyway, I, I, I really enjoy coming together mm -hmm. and taking a business-like approach to the year. So it's nice that we can lay out all our goals for the year. We talk together about how we're going to accomplish those goals but they come from a, an emotional place. So even though we're taking kind of a professional structured approach and outlining our year as a family, it's fun because these are emotional things. So it allows us to connect a little bit more. Right. I know. I love that aspect too. And part of what's cool, I think, and I enjoy as well is we lay out our individual goals and we spend time thinking about them, writing them down. Individually, yeah. Individually, right. And then we come together. And it's interesting because, you know, in the time we've been doing this together, at least half of our goals usually intersect in some way. Uh-huh, absolutely. <laughs> and and it's not intentional. It's just that our family is, is central to many of the goals that we end up laying out individually. So we also are able to talk through how we can achieve those goals together and help each other and support each other. Well, you and I have a really nice habit of putting the other person first. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like by putting the other person first, we end up getting what we want anyway. Right. So it works out really well in our it favor. Does. And one of the goals that we, we've laid out for 2021 is charitable giving, right? Yes, absolutely. So we sponsored a young man through church mm -hmm. and... The idea is we are financially supporting him and and trying to support his growth from a you know religious standpoint, but also from a learning and developmental standpoint, right? Right. Good right. old Percy. Yeah, he's so cute. I love him. He need, he's in Zimbabwe. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic story. Loves playing soccer, and when he gets older, he wants to be a soldier so he can protect his mom and his sister. I know. I thought that so was so sweet. cute. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we are definitely charitably involved, and that, that's definitely one of our big plans for 2021 is to continue that movement. Absolutely. And hopefully as Kiwanis slows down a little bit, or excuse me, Kiwanis, uh, 
COVID slows down a little bit, I can get more involved with Kiwanis, <laughs> an international organization I, I partner with. We are in the Jacksonville community. So international organization, but there are clubs all over the U.S. and, and abroad as well. And the idea is we try to focus on improving the lives of children in the community. And a lot of that work has been hindered because of what's going on with COVID. Now, mm -hmm. Typically, we're out in the community. We're helping kids. We have all kinds of projects. You know, one of my favorite things is reading to the preschoolers every couple weeks mm -hmm. um, at Mayport. But a lot of that's been on hold because of the COVID issue. So I'm looking forward to, to that opening back up again, hopefully. Yeah, certainly. And then you've got some things that you'll be working on from a charitable standpoint, too. So 2021 should be a, a very good year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, me too. I think it's a good time to transition into the food topic, right? Oh, yes. All right. I've been waiting. Monkey bread. <laughs> Homemade monkey bread. That's the recipe I'm featuring in today's episode. Let's get into it now. I obtained this recipe through Pillsbury's website. I've always been a fan of monkey bread. Matter of fact, back in my high school and college days, mom used to cook it on special occasions. And mom, I know you're listening. I love you. Nothing against you. Nothing against your cooking. But I don't think it was homemade. I think the monkey bread box gave it away. <laughs> it was delicious, but not homemade. And you know me, Amber. Whenever I like something, I've got to make it. Yes. And this was really good. And in order to make this correctly, ladies and gentlemen, you need a bunt pan. Amber, you were kind enough to order one for me. I'm glad you did because I completely <laughs> forgot to order one myself. And I've made this recipe multiple times without a bunt pan, and it just wasn't the same. It was good, but it just wasn't the same. This is not difficult to make, ladies and gentlemen, but please use a bunt pan. <laughs> It'll be so much better. You'll appreciate my recommendation after you make this recipe. Not difficult to make. You're going to love it. Check it out. SagePathFA.com forward slash blog. I hope you enjoy it. Amber, I think it's a good time to transition into our financial topic of today's episode, charitable giving. Let's do it. All right, let's go. This is based on a white paper I published. So if you'd rather read about it, call me, email me. I'd, happy, I'd be happy to get a copy to you, ladies and gentlemen, whatever you need. Charitable giving, it can play an important role in many estate plans. And we discussed estate planning in a previous episode two weeks ago, right, Amber? Yep. Now, philanthropy, it can not only give you great personal satisfaction, but it can also give you a current income tax deduction, let you avoid capital gains tax, and it can help you reduce the amount of taxes your estate may owe when you die. There are many ways to give to charity. You can make gifts during your lifetime or at your death. You can make gifts outright. You can use a trust. You can name a charity as a beneficiary in your will. You can designate a charity as beneficiary of your retirement plan or your life insurance Tons of ways to do it. Or if your gift is substantial, you could establish a private foundation, a community foundation, or a donor-advised fund. So let's talk about the various methods of gifting. You ready, Amber? I'm ready. All right. Method number one, making outright gifts. An outright gift is one that benefits the charity immediately and exclusively. With an outright gift, you get immediate income and gift tax deduction, Amber. Make sure, though, the charity is a qualified charity according to the IRS. You want to get a written receipt or keep a bank record for any cash donations and make sure you get a written receipt for any property other than money. And that leads us to method two. 
will or trust bequests and beneficiary designations. These gifts are made by including a provision in your will or trust document or by using a beneficiary designation form. The charity receives the gift at your death, at which time your estate can take the income and estate tax deductions. You follow me, Amber? I'm with you. All right, moving along. Method three, charitable trust. Another way for you to make a charitable gift is to create a charitable trust. You can name the trust, or excuse me, the charity as the sole beneficiary, or you can name a non-charitable beneficiary as well, splitting the beneficial interest. And this is referred to as making a partial charitable gift. The most common types of trust used to make partial gifts to charity are the charitable lead trust and the charitable remainder trust. And that's what we're going to get into in one moment. Keep in mind, though, ladies and gentlemen, there are expenses and fees associated with the creation of a trust. And that leads me to method four, a charitable lead trust. A charitable lead trust, it pays income to a charity for a certain period of years, and then the trust principal passes back to you, your family members, or their heirs. The trust is known as a charitable lead trust because the charity gets the first or lead Interest. Go figure, right, Amber? That makes sense. And a charitable lead trust, it can be an excellent estate planning vehicle if you own assets that you expect will substantially appreciate in value. If created properly, a charitable lead trust allows you to keep an asset in the family and enjoy some tax benefits, which we all love, right, Amber? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So how does a charitable lead trust work? Well, uh, Amber, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) There's really three steps. One, the trust gets funded by you. Number two, income goes to the charity first. And three, the balance goes to you or your family at the trust's end. So let's run through an example. Now, in this example, names have been hidden to protect the innocent. Did I say that correctly? (laughs) (laughs) Now, we'll call this person John, but again, he is a client of mine. He often donates to charity. He creates and funds a $2 million charitable lead trust. Now, don't get distracted by that $2 million amount. You don't have to have millions of dollars to create a charitable lead trust. Now, in this case, the trust provides for fixed annual payments of $100,000. And simply put, we did 5% of the initial $2 million value. Now, this is goes to, we'll just call it ABC Charity for 20 years. At the end of the 20-year period the entire trust principle will go outright to John's children. Using IRS tables and assuming a 2.0 section 7520 rate, the charity's lead trust is valued at $1,635,140 and the remainder interest is valued at $364,860. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if... 2.0% section 7520 confuses you, call me, email me. I will walk you through that. Now, assuming the trust assets appreciate in value, John's children will receive any amount in excess of the remainder interest unreduced by estate taxes. And remember, Amber, the remainder interest is that $364,860 that I mentioned earlier. Follow me? I'm there. All right. This leads to method five, a charitable remainder trust. Now, a charitable remainder trust is the mirror image of the charitable lead trust. Trust income is paid to you, 
your family members or other heirs for a period of years, and then the principal goes to your favorite charity. A charitable remainder trust can be beneficial because it provides you with a stream of current income, and that's a desirable feature if there won't be enough income from other sources. Now, how does a charitable remainder trust work? I'm so glad you asked, Amber. (laughs) (laughs) Again, three steps. The trust gets funded by you, step one. Step two, incomes goes to you and your family first. And then step three, the balance goes to charity at the end of the trust. Again, I'd love to use another example here. Names have been hidden to protect the innocent. Mm -hmm. So we'll we'll talk about Jane. Now, Jane is an 80-year-old widow. She creates and funds a charitable remainder trust with real estate. And that real estate is currently valued at a million dollars. And it has a cost basis of about $250,000. Now, the trust provides fixed quarterly payments to be paid to her for 20 years. At the end of that period, the entire trust principal will go outright to her husband's alma mater Using IRS tables, and again, assuming a 2.0% Section 7520 rate, Jane receives $50,000 each year. She avoids capital gains tax on $750,000, and she receives an immediate income tax charitable deduction of $176,298, and that can be carried forward for five years. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, if 2.0% section 7520 has got your head spinning, call me, email me. I'll be happy to walk you through that. Now further, Jane, she's also removed $1 million plus any future appreciation from her gross estate. Sounds pretty neat, right, Amber? Yep. Now moving on to method six, private family foundation. A private family foundation, it's a separate legal entity that can endure for many generations after your death. You create the foundation, then you transfer assets to the foundation, which in turn makes grants to public charities. You and your descendants have complete control over which charities receive grants. But unless you can contribute enough capital to generate funds, Amber, for those grants, the costs and complexities of a private foundation may not be worth it. A general guideline is that you should be able to donate enough assets to generate at least $25,000 per year for grants. Make sense? Yes. Method number seven, a community foundation. If you want your dollars to be spent on improving the quality of life in a particular community, consider giving to a community foundation. This is similar to a private foundation. A community foundation accepts donations from many sources. A community foundation is overseen by individuals familiar with the community's particular needs and professionals skilled at running a charitable organization. Last but certainly not least, method eight, (laughs) (laughs) donor advised fund. Fund. Similar in some respects to a private foundation, a donor-advised fund offers an easier way for you to make a significant gift to charity over a long period of time. A donor-advised fund actually refers to an account that is held within a charitable organization. The charitable organization is a separate legal entity, but your account is not. It's merely a component of the charitable organization that actually holds the accounts. Once you transfer assets to the account, the charitable organization becomes the legal owner of the assets and has ultimate control over them. You can only advise, not direct, the charitable organization on how your contributions will be distributed to other charities. 
All right, Amber, let's go ahead and close out today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope I've provided you with effective strategies to fulfill your philanthropic desires. Charitable giving, it, it can get complicated. The strategy you use should fit into your overall situation financially. So please seek the help of a legal professional for your specific situation. If you're struggling with what to do or if you have questions, ladies and gentlemen, let's connect. I would love to help you. The phone number is 904-366-9388 and the email address is jfuchs at sagepathfa.com. Amber, I had a ton of fun with you today. Anything you'd like to add? Yes. I just want to clarify that Section 75 is not the secret underground government facility. (laughs) (laughs) No, Amber. And ladies and gentlemen, all of you listeners out there, we're not talking about secret government facilities. Right. (laughs) That's Sector 7, I think. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. We're getting our sector numbers wrong here. Exactly. (laughs) Well, Amber, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. All of our listeners out there, thank you for sticking around. I appreciate all of you. Make it a great day. And now, the disclosures. Security and investment advisory services offered through FSC Security Corporation, FSC, member FINRA, SIPC. FSC is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or service referenced here are independent of FSC. FSC does not provide legal or tax advice. This episode is sponsored by Dunman Associates Investment Council, Inc. Sage Path Advisors is located at 512 Rosebud Lane, Neptune Beach, Florida, 32266. Some of this information was prepared by Broad Ridge Investor Communications Solutions, Inc., copyright 2020. These materials are provided for general information and education and are not meant as specific recommendation or advice. Investing involves risk. Loss, including loss of principal, may occur. No investment strategy can guarantee positive results, nor can it protect against loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.